Hello, and welcome back to another week of the DP World Tour Picks and Bets. Skylar Hoke here, joined by Tom Jacobs, who is coming off of a winner two weeks ago. There was a break in between, but congrats on your big ticket on Oshino at the Guitar Masters. Tom, how are we doing today? Yeah, good. All the better for uh, hanging on to that Oshino win. It's nice to celebrate it one more week. Um, not the best week at Riviera last week in the end, so nice to get back to some familiar surroundings, I guess, with the DP World Tour. Although um, the field, I guess, leaves a little to be decided, Sky, um, which is often the case at this event. Rylan, they can't all play all the events, but we did say this is what could potentially happen once uh, once the uh, big guns win. Yeah, this is kind of the, the juxtaposition that we brought out. Um, and o- overall, yes, I'm kind of excited, though. Like, I woke up more excited like this, and the Mexico Open get me going more than, you know, maybe some of the big time events like last week at Riv just from, from the opportunity stake. Um, I guess weirdly enough, I feel like I'm a little bit more scared of Ewan Ferguson than I might even be sometimes of like Erasmus Hoygaard or some of the other guys that are teeing it up. Cause I think a lot clicks for, for Ferguson here. Um, but no, Tom, I'm excited for this week. Now there's like, we've talked two weeks ago. There's, there's the Super Bowl happened a couple weeks ago, right? A, a massive event. But today is the Daytona 500 for those into, you know, racing and motorsports, a large, large event here in the United States. But, I mean, if you're looking at the podium here, the magical Kenya Open top is just holding that gold medal. And I know everyone is chomping at the bit for this event to get going. Uh, so I, anything else that you can just build up to us? It's just, just a mass week of the year. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it's called magical for a reason. It's on the Mount Rushmore of golf events, if not you know, sporting events, as you said there. I think, you know, people look at kind of what are the most watched events in the world and, you know, you always see the Super Bowl and the Olympics and the World Cup final and what you don't see is the magical Kenya Open. Look, I don't know, I don't like to call people liars, but it's one of the most watched events ever. So um, it's great. It's good fun. Um, I I think it's actually a bit of a throwback, the magical Kenya Open. I think it's a, it's a course where you actually do get rewarded for a bit of accuracy and some good around the green game, which is not always the case on the DP World Tour anymore, Sky, or even the BJ Tour, right? We, we see a lot of big hitting and kind of rack up as many birds as possible. And, you know, whilst the scoring can get low here at times, you are going to have your work cut out. So um, I think it's a, it's a real event to look forward to. Yeah, we are. It, and I guess in build up, we'll talk about this golfer during selection side too, but. The, the peak, or I guess the origin of the Magic Kenya Open, this is the spot where Guido Migliazzi came out of literally nowhere to get his first ever victory and scorched earth from there on out. Uh, Guido is teeing up this week. Last year, I believe he skipped this event. Uh, so it's good that he's back firing up some cylinders right now. Uh, there is a course change from those days to what we now play at. It used to be Karen Country Club. Now it's Daiga. Um uh, golf course or golf club, um, but similar aspects, tree lined, tight, like you mentioned, white winner, Ashen Wu, somebody who doesn't overpower it. Forstrom won last year, right? Uh, uh, Campio. Where... Oh, Camp- yeah, excuse me. Uh, I was confusing too. Um, Campio won. So, yeah, a, a course where the game is a little bit more technical. So, uh, I- I'm excited to not, I guess, fall into the same trap that I do a lot of weeks where I tend to bomber heavy. So, uh, and I I think there's still decent odds out there on some guys, even though we're congregating as an industry on a few of them. 
Um, but from the top of the board, is there anybody, Tom, I, I mentioned you and Ferguson. I mean, he stands out uh, as the favorite 16, Tristan Lawrence, 16, Oshino's back in the 18s. Anybody really sub 30 catch your eye? I think um, Frederick LaCroix is giving me the fear a little bit that I'm going to jump off and it's going to happen, but that would be the only reason. Like, there's nothing I'll particularly look at. I think it's good. It'd be a good get, uh, event for him. I think he's off the tee. Prowess will be slightly negated here, which uh, ultimately was probably why I jumped off him a little bit. But yeah, look, I think for me, it was like you said, Ewan Ferguson is quite scary. I thought Tristan Lawrence was interesting. You know, this is a player who's been playing pretty well for a few months now and was obviously a runner up to Ashram Wu here um, back in 2022, although he was a distant runner up. Wu won by four shots. Um, so probably those two at the top. But yeah, for me, it was it was go down to you know the forty to ones and biggers, and and I'm pretty happy with living in that range this week. Yeah, me too. I mean, I think I'm okay with the taste in the mouth that that uh, Lacroix left us with the last time we were at some lower odds. I mean, we're also getting Jasper Svensson now sub thirty. You know, we hadn't seen that really before. Alex Fitzpatrick game maybe a little bit more suited for here uh, than what we have seen. Some of the events, Langosk is going to need some short game. Del Rey is now sub 30. Uh, and, and I don't know. I, I just much prefer where we land, especially your first pick. I think when I'm not on the same guy as you here to lead off, but I think if you want to talk um, the Canadian first, he's just played a lot better than maybe these odds or some of these other guys. So there's definitely some value in, in Cockerell, it feels like. Yeah, Aaron Cockerell for me. I just, I don't, I think this is one of those weeks where. You need to not be afraid of the little bit of sticker shop, right? Like Cockerell was regularly and routinely available, kind of sixty-six to one, eighty to one, hundred to one hundred, you know, and bigger, right? And and rightly so, he's he's someone that hasn't won yet, but he's this player that kind of is racking up these kind of top five finishes, you know, semi regularly for some of his ability. Now I think he's got like five or six on a DP World Tour. He's got you know further couple of top tens, top twenty. So he's regularly appearing in these kind of. Um, events and, and certainly this build shrimp is certainly going to suit him well. So for me, Alvin Cockerell was kind of a no-brainer. I just mentioned there about Thurston Lawrence being a runner-up to Ashton Boo in 2022. Well, Aaron Cockerell was also runner-up that week, um, and that was off the back of a really slow start. He opened 70 uh, with a round of 70 in round one. He was 40th uh, going into the Friday, and then he shot 68, 67, 67 to to really close out that week and play well and. Look, when you look at Cockerell's form, it's been extensive, right? Like he finished uh, 2022, uh, 2023, sorry, uh, 32nd and 25th and a 15th. And that felt like he was kind of bubbling under the surface. Then he kicks off the new year, fourth of the Divide Desert Classic, 23rd of the Raz Al-Khaima, um, sixth in Bahrain. And then he did miss the cut last time in Qatar. But one of the things I would say is that, one, I don't think Qatar was a great golf course for him. I think it was one of those ones where you had to buy him at his kind of lowest point in terms of odds, um, and it probably wasn't the right profile for him. A lot of big hitting, which he's not really used to, or you know, you know, really, you know, suits. So, to me, this is a real big opportunity for Crocker to bounce back on a course that suits him really well. The ball striking has been good for a long time now. Um, he's 12th in the field over the last eight weeks in strokes gained approach. He's uh, 13th in teeth green overall, which again, considering he's not the biggest of hitters, is is pretty impressive. So for me, Aaron Cockerell, 40 to 1, a nice bounce back spot. Um, couldn't have asked for a better golf course for him, I don't think, um, to find his way back from a miscut. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of my fear this week. Um, 
writing off or not even, I guess, incoming form overall, I think is kind of the question at play. Because we definitely had a lot of golf courses that weren't suited for the players that might excel here, right? So we could have some misleading type of form in which we, we definitely were bomber heavy on a lot of the events, Qatar specifically, you know, and even prior to that. So guys that we had kind of ticked the box for this type of event um, should stick with. If, if you want, I think there's a couple of long shots we'll talk on later that that I think are still intriguing and and don't want to write off just yet. Um, the one that I'm starting with seemingly very very popular and makes a lot of sense uh, is John Catlin at forty to one. Catlin, um, a golfer who we just kind of think about as, as a winner, right? Somebody who won a lower lower tours Asian Development Tour Asian Tour, uh, one of the DP World Tour kind of brought on and. I'd basically say I'd feel as if 2023, maybe even 2022, was was just a failure, right? Like, it just wasn't what we expected him to kick on like. And for the first time in what feels like a significant portion, he's he's in some spots in which we can feel comfortable at a course that plays into his suit, right? He's going to be way less off the tee than the average golfer, way more accurate, Um now, these three events for him, the last three, African Asia, so the Mauritius Open, where he finished 10th, and then he has went and played on the Asian Tour, um, which I guess he played on the Thailand Tour. This is Jack Hatlin to a tee, the Thailand Tour, and he withdrew with a stomach illness at the halfway point, which he was sitting sixth at, so he must have been pretty sick. Um, and then he came right out on the Asian Tour last week in Malaysia and finished third. So, you know, if I look through kind of that, if you went and, and just picked him to, I don't know, I mean, look at the course last year, 15th here, made the cut, both previous Magic Kenya Opens, he's, he's been here. I don't know, just a, a ton just makes sense when we talk about John Catlin. I think 40 to 1 is a very safe price for him. Yeah, look, I'm with you on John Catlin, he was the first person that was on my list, and I expect him to be popular or anything. I actually expect him to be even more popular. He opened up at 50 to 1 over here this morning, and I just assumed he would be the most popular pick. Um, and that might still trend that way in the end. But for me, John Catlin, I think I think we kind of brought him up at the end of last year or maybe the start of this year about someone that we think is, you know, the, the products of someone that can go and win very quickly and change their career and the trajectory. I think we kind of sort, sort of him sort of um, bracket is kind of Kitty Armour and people like that, right? And he never progressed on that PGA Tour player. Now, depends how you want to look at that. It, is he limited? Yes, I think he is limited. I think this is this is about his level, but that's fine. We only need him to win at this level, right? And what he has done is he's won the Austrian Golf Open. He's won at Valderrama, very impressively. He's won the Irish Open. He's won in Thailand. He, you know, he's, he's he's won everywhere that he's kind of played. So even though he hasn't got to the PGA Tour, he's still won everywhere, right? And I think the thing that's really interests me, Sky, and the reason why I think his odds are still slightly inflated, actually is that he just, as you said, just goes and plays everywhere. And and it's the fact that his form has been back-to-back weeks in Australia, then over to Thailand, then over to Mauritius, then he withdraws on the Asian Development Tour, the, uh, the Thailand Tour, sorry, and then comes right back and finishes third last week. And you can only go by what people are doing recently, right? And, and I think if it was someone that we didn't know about and we were just saying, look, let's take a chance on him, he's playing well in Asia, I'd be a little bit, a little bit kind of reserved on that, but we know John Catlin wins at this level. We know he has done, and and last year he led after round one here, opening round 64. Wasn't great in the middle two rounds, two rounds of 70, and finished with a 69, but um, look, 
dangerous player, very accurate on his day, and this is the perfect golf course for him. So very much like what I said about Cockerell, like probably the best landing spot for him this week. Um, and unlike Cockerell, uh, unlike Cockerell, he's not coming off a missed cut. He's coming off a really good performance. So I'm really happy with Catlin there at 40 ton as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, spot on overall with it. For me, I'll just I'll just roll into the next one, right? We mentioned right off the top. This is this is comfort. This is home. This is where Guido Migliazzi is born and raised, in a sense, uh, at the Magical Kenya Open. When the last time we saw him, um, and we kind of commented, I guess, early on into the year, you know, Guido was, I would say, steady. 13th in yeah. Dubai, 25th at the Hero, 40th at the Mauritius. Like, just found a lot but wasn't doing it much with the irons, wasn't doing it much, um, you know, off the tee, middling. And finally, kind of old Guido popped up at the Guitar Masters, fourth in the field, an approach, steady off the tee, just a little bit in the negative, you know, field average with accuracy. And when you get somebody who now has evolved into a, I would say a trust, uh, a trustworthy player around and on the greens, you're going to need irons. And in this week, you can play it from the fairway. I do just get the juices flowing when I think about Guido at the Magic Kenya Open, Ben Coley on this week. You know, you, you just you just can't. I, there's not enough for me that's sticking out of the board like that. I need to get get invested into. And when you just kind of circle back on the second spin around it, and you just blur out some names, you look at somebody trending with some form and 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 irons and history. Guido is that guy for me. So 45s, I, I'm I'm very comfortable. Look, I think there's a couple of players, Sky, in this field that are just name value-wise better than their odds suggest. And and look, I think that's a dangerous game to play sometimes is that, okay, this is a good player and, you know, maybe he's not doing it and you're taking him at kind of short odds and you should just because of who he is. But there's Kiradek Afebarmrat, who I spoke to Brad about earlier, who hasn't actually played here, but you know, should by all means pray pretty well here. And Guido Migliozzi, two players that we know can win at higher levels, compete at higher levels, who, when you put it against the rest of this kind of field, stand out. Uh, stand out. I think the other one is Justin Harding um, making his kind of return this week, right? But he's never done it that well here at this course, and he's obviously been out for a long time, so slightly different prospect there. But yeah, for, for Migliozzi, this is a player that, look, he did win at the other golf course as opposed to this one, but... Yeah, I think I think for me, he's great. He's fine. I, the amount of times I've tried to talk you out of Guido Migliozzi, and this time I don't feel like I need to. The only, I guess, the only d- downside is that the only time he's played this goal, of course, he's missed the cup. But yeah, um, that was probably amidst some bad form at that time of year, and as you said, found his irons last time out, and and that's really important coming to Hundred percent. I think he's, he's found success. I mean, at, at courses that have been more this this uh, style. You know, Grand yeah. Sierra one that even last year, bad bad four play, played well at uh, has has definitely excelled. I mean, I even think I guess you know when we looked at the the Belgian knockout, the second victory there, that was a course similar tree line tight. Um, these are type of courses that I, I trust Guido. The, the British Masters in which he he lost to Blank there. Uh, you know, another one of the Belfry that that's not overpowered in that sense. So, um, yeah, Vintage Guido show up this week, man. We can get back back rolling. Um, I'm 60s for the next one, Tom. Um, let me double check. It's me again, right? I think, is it the same guy? No. No, I don't think it no, is. No, no. He's 100s in the States. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's got bigger over there. So good. So, yeah, you go your uh, kind and I'll come back. Yeah. So um, this was a golfer who Brad tipped up quite a bit when it came to um, the preview show that we had done in the fall. Um, and he's done nothing but impress since, since getting his DP World Tour card, make, making his last five cuts, 32nd, 34th, 23rd, 23rd, 13th. Some progressive form, um, all but a lot with a short game. Um, and it's Sam Bearstow. Uh, Bearstow, to me, has kind of stood out overall in kind of his lead-in, uh, flashing on leaderboards, showing some consistency. There were some courses I wish I now, now that I'm in this, I wish I would have thought a little bit deeper about what Brad kind of had mentioned of some specific tracks in which he really liked Bearstow at. Not to jog my memory on those ones, um, but he is a, a golfer in which, you know, just I guess if you looked at Svensson and Lacroix, maybe light of what they've done, right? You know, um, not nothing near in which. You know, he popped up last year, finished 17th. Like he, that 13th finish is basically the best we have seen of him. Uh, he had one in Scotland before, you know, his golfer. So I don't, I don't know a terrible much about him outside of what we've seen in these five events when he's been lights out with the short game. Um, he was seventh at the 54 in Qatar. The the week before, he was fourth at the 54 by Ron. So he's had some tough Sundays, you know. So maybe that's kind of our, our name of the game with Bearstow is that he can get over the line, get more comfortable there. I just think 60s, I'm, I'm willing for the trends overall for him. Yeah, initially, I, I thought I was going to be on Sam Bairstow. Look, the only problem... I only, expected you to be on. Yeah, the only reason I wasn't in the end is very much for the reason you just pointed out there, and it could go one of two ways, is that I just don't know quite what player he is, right? Like, I, I can't pinpoint that he's going to be this, this great driver of the golf ball and he's a wide-open layout, and I can't pinpoint him as someone that's going to... Prosper on a shorter layout like John Catlin, right? Like I, I don't know if he's somewhere in the middle. I don't know if he's definitely in the bigger layout. So I would tend to think that he needs a bit of a bigger layout and gives it a little bit of a whack off the tee and, and likes a bit of links form. But that's what we're going to find now. And I think it's 60 to 1 Sky about the current form of Sambo. So he, prototypically, he's my favorite type of pick. And that's why I was so close to going with him and why obviously that was the first person I spoke to about earlier. Um, after John Catlin, but it was just, yeah, I just, I just couldn't get there in the end because I couldn't find the reason to do it other than I just think he's a better player than he's given credit for. But as you said, the, the spot rounds are great. Final round 65 at the Raz, fourth after 54 holes in Bahrain, sixth at the halfway stage, seven plus 54 holes in Qatar. Like he's just been so solid. So for the value of it, like he's 12th best player in the field in terms of form and he's not priced that way. So um, I do think it's a player that we should keep an eye on, as I said last week and or the last time we were on. And I think very much the same with Jesper Svensson. I think potentially what's happened is we've identified them and they've had a good couple of weeks and now the, the market's kind of overcorrected on them a little bit. Um, but Bairstow versus kind of Del Rey and uh, Svensson in that respect isn't quite as extreme. So um, I, th I think there's still some value out there for Bairstow, for people that, that believe he's the, the upside talent we think he is. Yeah, that, that's basically where I landed, like, he definitely hasn't been as good as those guys, but totally uh, can agree. All right. Uh, Mid-range here. We can pass still to you before we get to triple digits on our alignment. Yeah. So my next one is Sebastian Garcia Rodriguez, who generally speaking is just um, Sebastian Garcia now. I think it's a little bit like yeah. Nicholas Norgard Moller is Nicholas Norgard. Um, I don't know why they're choosing these things, but Sebastian Garcia caught, me, uh, caught my eye. He's someone that, 
I think has just played his best golf in Kenya. Like it's like you hear people play their best golf in Africa and people play their best golf. He's just very specifically played his best stuff in Kenya. He was fourteenth um, in the Kenya Open on the Challenge Tour, and he's been fourth and seventeenth in this event since he's been on the DP World Tour. Now the fourth came at uh, Caron Country Club, where Guido obviously won. Um, but the seventeenth, he was fourth after fifty-four holes as well. Got us here, and I just always like that sort of thing. I think people that just find comfort at that level, you know, it's something you got to keep an eye on and. It's not to be overlooked. And for whatever reason, it's just been Kenya. Whether it's just the two very specific golf courses, whether it's the the, the type of event, the altitude, whatever it is, he's done well. And even there was even the, the Kenya Savannah Classic, he was 14th as well on a DP World Tour. So no matter what happens, whether it's this event, the Kenya Open on the Challenge Tour, or the other alternative, event, they went back to about weeks in Kenya, he's done really well. Um, on the basis, it's not just the Kenya stuff as well, though, because on the basis of it, he's actually playing really steadily. 31st in the Dubai Desert Classic, stronger field, 37th for the Brazil Kaima, 12th in Bahrain, and 27th last time out in Qatar. It's how he's doing it, Sky, that, that actually impresses me as well. He, generally speaking, I think of Garcia as someone that just gets off to a bit of a hot start after round one and, and fades, and that could definitely happen again. But... There's been a steadiness to his approach game, 16th in the field in terms of straight scan approach uh, over the last eight weeks. And, and off the tee, he's been, uh, or tee's green, sorry, he's been fourth as well. Just really steady in both ball striking categories, right? And I just, I just believe in the kind of upside of someone that's played so well in this part of the world for so long. Um, that I think we should keep an eye on him. I mean, look, he was fifth after round one at Dubai as a classic, kind of speaks to my earlier point about getting off to fast starts. Was, you know, Middle of the pack, 36th after 36 holes at the Raz Al Khaimah. He was 12th in Bahrain, but he was 4th after 54 holes. And probably a little bit like, I guess, Sam Bairstow and, and other people that we've kind of mentioned here already, maybe has a little bit of a problem getting over the line. Um, well, he definitely does. There's no denying that he hasn't done it. But I think at the kind of 90 to 180 to 1 range for Sebastian Garcia, really solidly ball striking at the moment, loves Kenya. I think he's someone worth chancing this week. Yeah, I mean, may have the the Sunday scaries, but you're not going to be worried about his birdie average. Somebody's going to score, light it up. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. And, and we noticed if just just come. Like, I'm not saying he's going to do it, right? Like, I I think that trying to compare every single golfer to that one that goes and suddenly has a breakthrough is is really dangerous, right? But there are enough instances of a Matthew Pavon going from never winning, being quite consistent to. Bosch win on the DP World Tour, Bosch win on the PGA Tour. There is enough of the Thrifts and Lawrences that don't win, don't win, don't win, then winning bunches. There's enough of the Justin Hardings that do things like that. Like it will happen to Xander Lombard. It will happen. And maybe they're, they're slightly better players, right? But I'm not necessarily saying that Garcia can do that. But when you look at the kind of winning list of players in this event over the years, um, okay, you go back to the changeable like Lorenzo Gagli and Hayden Porteous and, and people like that. I mean, I don't even remember Jordi Garcia Pinto very well um, but he won here when he was on the Challenge Tour like I can see him doing something like that where he comes and plays well in this event um, and, and maybe never does anything again but at 80 90 to 1 whilst he's playing his best golf in a place that he likes uh, I thought it was good value yeah 100% I like it if we talk about picks uh, that I was super excited to make it's this next one and we kind of foreshadowed this on the last um podcast when we mentioned uh, another golfer with a similar type of profile in what he's been playing but 
I, we said literally, if Julian Zuri is going to be in a field, we're going to bet him. And it's 100 to 1 the match with Kenny Open. So if you take back what Julian Suri had pretty much done, is make it through Q school just about everywhere. And unfortunately for, for him, DP World Tour and PGA Tour in final stage just came up just short. Enough for him to get a DP World Tour start because they went to the, the category below the, the overall qualifier. So that's why he's starting this week. You know, if, if you saw him on the PGA Tour Q school, uh, he really wasn't, I guess, in it, in it until the last day where he was floating the line of getting some guaranteed starts, double bogeyed the last hole, um, and missed out on any guaranteed starts. Since then, he's been playing Monday qualifiers. He lost one of them in a playoff. He then double bogeyed another one down the stretch to miss out by one. He's just been heartbreak city for him. And I'm hoping for some good karma. You know, we saw him and bet on him in Australia where he finished eighth in one of the two events there. Um, you know, he's a golfer who was on top of the world in, in some ways, you know, not that long ago. I mean, not that long ago. I mean, five years pretty much probably, right? When he was, yeah, 2019, uh, when I would say that's kind of the heyday. Uh, if you think about, I guess, when I think of his win on the DP World Tour, right, that would have been is that 2017. It was a made yeah, in Dunbar. Yeah. Right, man in Denmark, he always I, I liked him always at the uh, Open de France at the Golf National, where he's played well at a, another course. I mean, it's changed over time, but back then it was really you play fairways and greens and tight. You know, if we looked at kind of his, you don't really get even strokes gain statistics in Australia, so we haven't seen much out of him in a significant portion of time from a stat perspective. But when he got odd to the Challenge Tour last year. He finished inside the top three, three times in nine events inside the top 20, another three times. So enough golf where I think if you got him some consistency, man, he could really take advantage of it. And if the books are going to give us a number early, I love it. at Yeah, look, this is this is a player that we, we as you said, we'd already spoken about him. And the Q score is kind of your bag. You absolutely love looking at all the different things and, and how close they get to qualifying or not. Obviously, someone that does that for a living is Ryan French and Monday Q Info and he obviously flagged up the, the run that you were talking about there um, and you know how many times he come close and I sort of said to him when he when he put the tweet out that actually when you think when you look back it's such an ex- you know it feels like a kind of bubble of really good form but it's actually a really extended period of form it goes right back to the middle of the point of last year where you know as you said third at Urem Bank Open second at the Open to Portugal third at the Swiss Challenger he's actually had one outside of winning like it's been so good for so long. It's just that he hasn't been able to make the starts. And you always talk about players that can only beat what's in front of them. Okay, it's not like he's gone on one every week on the Challenge Tour, but he's been inside the top three and nine starts, like he said. He's been inside the top 20, three or four more times, three more times, sorry. Um, and then, as you say, finished off the year with the eight for the Australian Open. And I think the first thing for me that flagged in my mind, and it's probably just misremembering kind of the type of player he was, I, I wondered whether... It was the wrong type of golf course for him, for Julian Surrey, whether he, he needed a little bit of a bigger layout. I seem to remember the problems that he had. If I, I think I remember sort of talking to his caddy before, and he he was very wild off the tee for a period of time, and I think that was to do with kind of injuries and things like that. It seems to be that he's refined his game back to normal. And actually, when you look at his very best stuff, winning in Denmark, second in France, as you spoke about, Hong Kong Open, he was second there. Another one where you kind of have to deal with tight um, golf courses. Trophy of Sand, second there, tight golf course. Uh, the British Masters, we know, comes with tree-lined um, you know, problems. And 
Hero India Open, there was another one. You had to hit fairways there, and it was actually almost an unfair golf course uh, in the end. That's where he's really relished. Um, so for me, Julian Siri, Julian Siri, sorry, as a player is, you know, potentially in the upper echelons eventually. Um, was certainly on that kind of track when he first joined the tour. I mean, it wasn't until like 2016, I think, that he actually got onto the DP World Tour, right? Like he turned pro in like 2013. But um, you go back to actually his heartbreak of his recent Q Tour stuff. So I'm going off to a bit of a tangent here, Sky, but it's, it was actually in 2016 he played all three stages um, of the of the Q score and finished one stroke shy um, of earning a place on the Challenge Tour as well. So he's kind of had these little disappointments throughout his whole life and look, it fueled him to get a win in 2017 on both the Challenge and DP World Tours. Um, let's see if he does it here. The two people he's beaten, um, you know, David Horsey and Takeo Paulkin are the people that get pet quite regularly. So he knows um, how to be a player. And he's 32 years old, guys. So the player's not, you know, he's got plenty in front of him. He was a, you know, an All-American, a Duke. He's someone that I think when you look at it, it's just injury related as to why they've lost their way. I'm always going to forgive that. So as you said, 100 to 1, and you said it so succinctly, and I said it in such a rambling manner, but like 100 no. to 1, I think Suri is great value. Yeah, I'm excited for him. I, I, like, it's hard to think, I mean, watching like uh, Jimmy Hardkay, Kanos, mm-hmm. uh, at the Waste Management, man, like, how how do they keep going? Like, how do some of these guys, like, like a Suri, man, keep going? Yeah, that's got to be insanely frustrating and especially for someone that's been there right like i guess with like um you know jimmy Hardkay, like at least he like never really reached the level that he wanted to but suri got to the upper echelons of, of winning on the dp World tour okay he didn't get to the pj tour and do what he wanted to do over there but he won on both tours that he played on he finished inside the top 30 in a major championship so he's tasted it that's the even worse part and you know, when, when he was out and he was kind of probably in that kind of U line, you know, Brooks Kepka kind of, you know, bubble of, of Americans coming on and just before Kitty Armour and things like that, like it was that string of golfers where there's such high expectations. And I think that almost hurt him. Like it's just, okay, well, you're an American on the DP World Tour, you've won very quickly, you're going to go and be a superstar and that. And I think that's probably what hurt him. And, and then obviously injuries coming after that as well. So look, I think he's got his head down and he's, he's humbled himself. Whether that was even a problem in the past, I don't know. But he's certainly, you know, had to go and play other tours now. Um, and, and I'm really impressed with what he's done. So I have slight reservations whether it's the best golf course for him. But 100 to 1, I don't really care. Like if he was 33 to 1 or 40 to 1, then you'd have to, you'd have to weigh it up. But um, yeah. yeah, 100 to 1. Yep. Totally. Totally. Um, let's see that. That does it on your end right yeah. that kind of your your last selection i've got one more um deeper I had, before i had one, him, one more but i'm just wondering ahead, that you're gonna talk about him so i'll let you talk about your players and i'll come back to him afterwards but i've got a feeling you're gonna at least mention him yeah so before we kind of rip through our list like we typically do we'll give a shout out to all of our audio listeners you can find us uh daily fantasy sports picks and bets the mix uh main media network we appreciate all of your support um kind of like uh, rate, review, subscribe, comment for us on YouTube. We love that. Um, it's just really appreciative. Um, as you know, this is a big week for us. Kind of just loving the scene, man. But we have some, you know, true big weeks coming up. Um, you know, summer and beyond, and we're seeing early guys from the DP World Tour continue to contend 
on the PGA Tour. So get to know them now with us as 10 of these guys are going to be on their way over. So, um, and they're going to make impacts and, and win you some money and some low ownership and bets. So please uh, give us some love there. As I look through the field, uh, Tom, I guess what's the best way? I'm just going to go through the odds because my guy's pretty deep here. Um, David Raveno won just last week on the Challenge Tour after pretty much doing absolutely nothing um, on the DP World Tour. It was kind of a more uh, open layout where you could really kind of smack the ball uh, last week. So he won there. I, I guess right off the top, I, I'll even ask you, was was Sam Hutsby somebody that you were considering at all, Tom? Is that the one? It's not the one, but Sam Hutsby was definitely on the list of, of people. Like, this is a, a very typical someone's playing well on a different golf tour. Can they translate it? I mean, he's doing his stuff in South Africa, right? So 52nd, 13th and 2nd. Die Data, obviously a golf course where it demands a lot of the tee. Can he do that on this tour? Don't know. So in the end, didn't spend my time trying to figure it out. The only time he's played here, he missed the cut. Um, I wouldn't necessarily hold that too far against him. I guess the the the, the difficulties you have, which is what makes the, the corn very in a challenge tour. So, you know, open is that you don't get the stats, right? So how is he doing it? Why is his form really good? Um, is he hitting the ball, you know, incredibly well? Is, you know, is his approach numbers great? Is he doing it from a short game perspective? If I'd known any of those answers, I could build a case for him so i can't other than just outside of form. so with that poor tips had green and regulation for sunshine tour last week however this the website says uh, like the sunshine tour does not give any statistics yet for 2024 so i don't know if there's some round by round or or different things feeding in there um said it was top 10 of greens and regulation last week on the sunshine tour um and, and not just one pop of a week, but what was pretty interesting, too, is the week prior, he was second after 54 holes. So two weeks in a row kind of showing something. I don't know. He's a longtime journeyman um, that maybe I tend to to lean somebody a little bit more question marks um, than, than a Hutsby. So I think I'm okay still passing there as I keep going through odds. Um Let's see. Hayden Barron showed some life as well. Um, uh, Guitar Masters, I believe he was the 36-hole leader and then kind of blew up over the weekend. Uh, just played really tough. Valiant, first-round leader, prior. Um, I'm going to keep going with the one season. I, I can't believe that you haven't gone with Darius Van Drill after the, the comments that you made earlier. So, yeah, like... That that's the one I know. That I feel like you'll regret if you don't do it. And I'm not saying definitely it's do it. Him, it's him and Gearbosh both. Those are the yeah. two that when you say you're on cockerel, it's just like, man, do yeah. you just need to really think through kind of what these guys have been? I mean, I guess right last year Vandriel was good too. Yeah. So I think we the Gearbash one is very much similar to your Ugo Kassad chat, right? That you kind of flagged him as okay, he's done this in you know, small patches can he go on a really good week and he and he almost won. Is Gear actually gonna do that? I mean he's had a couple of weeks now where he struggled because it's a bigger layout. All of a sudden he's very much on a golf course that suits him. So I was tempted to go back to him and he would be my long bomb. I think Joel would be over if, if I had to have one. But I, just from your comments that you made about Van Drill, about how like when we get back to the Kenya Open, for example, it would be a good place to play him and look he did as the cut in Qatar, which is disappointing. But twelfth and eleventh on this golf course, um, and I'm pretty sure he actually 
if it wasn't round of the day, it would certainly be close with the 63 on Sunday last year for Van Drill. Like, I was almost convinced that you were going to play him. Was his 12th on the Challenge Tour? The 12th, yes, and then the 11th was on the 11th last year, yeah. right? Um, 90s for him. I don't land on somebody else as we talk through some guys. I, I agree. that That's probably like, I was hoping to see some life out of uh, out of Pedro Figueroa. There was three guys. It was, Figu- it was Figueroa, it was Van Driel, and it was Gearbosch were the yeah. three in which I was worried at um, the, the last event. And then that's probably the smart thing to do, Tom. Yeah. The other one that's kind of caught my eye, and it's purely based on kind of ball striking stuff is Andrew Wilson has been 19th and 29th his last two starts for straight going to approach um, and 15th and 39th in tee to green just feels like he's hitting the ball better than this kind of odds suggest now he's missed the cut both times in this event missed the cut of this uh, course twice and I just picture him as a bigger hitter than, as, than an accurate hitter which I think is going to kind of harm him in the end Andrew Wilson I might be wrong on that but I seem to remember that kind of being flagged up on data goal when we looked last year um, but just someone I thought was hitting the ball you know decently well and yes he finished 70th in Qatar but um, he opened with a 70 to be 14th after round one and 23rd in Bahrain was pretty solid so um, he was one and then the other one was uh, a favourite of ours that we'd like to talk about was uh, Hong Wang who finished with a 61 in Malaysia to, to really uh, put the pressure on yesterday uh, yeah. he hasn't played this golf course and when I look back I thought oh you know he should be this guy that should benefit from, you know, driving accuracy and green regulation, but that hasn't actually painted the picture um, over the course of his career. I think it's just kind of some of the flashes and you kind of have to just get out of the right week and, and hope for the best. Um, but another high profile player at Ferdinand Yon's ball. Yeah. Other ones that um, I don't know, maybe I don't watch enough of him on Instagram, but my feeling is Nicholas isn't as suited for this golf course than maybe other ones, like because I liked him a lot, but he feels to be maybe more driver heavy type of guy. I think so. I think he's going to be that kind of more PJ Tour esque type. Like he posted already about like 350 yard carries in Kenya and stuff. You ain't, you ain't playing that that around here. <laughs> no, so, yeah, I, I don't think he's going to be. I think he's a good person to watch, but whether he's someone that we can actually really get behind, I don't know. Benjamin Follett Smith. Uh, mm-hmm. stood out for me as kind of a bit of form recently and there was um, I don't remember his first name now is it Connor Purcell as well yeah um, yeah because we bet we bet Purcell the Irish last year really really liked him he's, he's popped the last two events he was another one I was going to bring up yeah so I, th- I think I think those type of guys I think there is an opportunity a lot of people will look at these people that have been playing well in South Africa and the Safari Tour and all those sort of things because they're playing in Kenya right but I think it's some of these challenge door players that are going to take advantage of there being a weaker field um, could kind of step up. I think you're going to get a little bit of that on the PJ Tour this week as well. But yeah, like Purcell was 17th at Die Data and he was actually better placed after two rounds. He was in sixth and then Cape Town, he was third after round one, finished 24. So um, yeah, I think I think that's fine. It's good form. There's just nothing to necessarily go, this is why you should bet him. It's just good current form. Yeah. Joel Mascatal uh, was somebody that he had popped in Australia after uh, doing pretty good in Q school lead up, didn't enough for a card, but he was somebody I thought. But ultimately, uh, my my last selection then is Nico Galetti. 
Um, talked about Galetti quite a bit um, as well on the shows. Just Galetti is doing everything he can, um, and he is no different than, in my opinion, from um, Surrey. Nick, the three are Surrey, Nicholas, and and Galetti, who have been pretty much qualifying everywhere um, through everything. Uh, Galetti didn't really take on uh, Australian Open, finished 27th, and then missed the cut. He had popped a little bit. And then at the Waste Management, he Monday qualified into that and then made the cut there. Um, didn't play very well on the weekend, but what he did was, uh, I believe he was top five, if not higher. Let me pull this up as we go here. Second. Oh, no, first. He led the field in accuracy. Of the guys that made the cut, he led the field in accuracy there. Him and Matthew Neesmith were one and two at Cebu Kid and, and Corey Connors. So to kind of be, I mean, he's a Phoenix kid. He went to ASU probably knows tp scottsdale as well as anybody um but still maybe to have that in your bag to be able to hit these fairways can be super important there just to make the cut in a, a decent pga tour event is more than who, who i guess that could be a trivia question what was outside of galetti the last made cut by somebody in this field on uh, the pga tour it's probably ball swing stuff for Ferguson getting a shot at the Scottish, like what's, what am, am I missing anything like uh, super obvious? No, would would have did Jonas Blitz make a random cut at one point? Right, um, Schwab is in this field, like the one fifties. You know, he he probably made a cut, but like I don't know, that's kind of intriguing. All the way down at two hundred and fifty to one. You know, yeah. I, I get not many guys are getting spots to do that, and probably there would be more, but to Monday qualify in and then. To, to have that lead the field in accuracy and have that. I, I loved Gladys game. I'm super excited for him. So 250s with each way. I really, really like him there. Yeah, absolutely. I think, look, it's, as I say, low opportunity cost again. And if you like a player and they've shown something like the accuracy that the Gladys showed in Phoenix, then, then why not stick with him? It's, we don't know who these players are until we get a better bank of form on them, right? And and there's no reason to suggest that he's going to struggle. He's just going to be, when does he break through more than anything? So um, looking forward to seeing that. Okay, anybody else for you, Tom? No, I don't think so. I think um, I always wonder, like, when Tom Lewis is ever going to be good. Like, is he ever going to be good? Like, he's a big price in a in a weak field, um, but he's just never lived up to that kind of promise, which is which is a shame because he seems relatively likable, right? Like, I think people generally root for him. Um, but no, I don't think there's anything necessarily on him as to why I would bet him. No, I don't, I don't think I, was, I think I'd just be naming names. Otherwise, Ashley Chester's has good form here and the perfect profile to play well here. But otherwise, it's it's pretty slim pickings further than the board. I think. Okay, well then we lead to the favorite segment of the year here, and it's the Safari Tour update. <laughs> I will say, unfortunately, there is not anybody on the betting card. In the in the twenty five hundred range for us this year, it's just something where when I dug into it, Tom, unfortunately, there wasn't anybody ripping it up like our old friend Robson Chinhoy used to do, and it is a shame that he is not in the field this week. A downright shame. I mean, he won literally a Safari Tour golfer won on the Challenge Tour last year or Sunshine Tour last year. I mean, he is. That's like a top. 
Tiger Woods not getting, you know, to start at Riviera. This is this is how I feel about Chin Hoy. I mean, it is despicable. He follows me now on Twitter these days. I am dying, Robson. There is an open invitation. I'm getting tweets from our boy AD about how is Chin Hoy not in the field. I mean, it's it's a tough scene that they can't get him in here. Maybe I, I think there's some scandal at play. Isn't isn't there a scandal on the safari sort? Of? There is. Like, there's more to it. I bet Chin Hoy is getting. He's he's somehow not getting the opportunities that he should. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was at the heart of it, right? Like, and he was probably like, yeah. He asked me last year, and I, I tried to translate it, and it was it was like something that said scandal, or I don't know, I have to look back. But <laughs> yeah, don't, don't want to know it's a good one translate. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, it's it's a shame that there's not so many players that can kind of stand up. I mean, one of them might do it, and we just don't know. But there's no one to kind of pin you. Yeah, unfortunately, there's only been two that have made the cut in the last. Uh, in the last two years, one of each one. And now the Kabugus are back. Now we met on the younger brother last year and the older brother was the one who made the cut and played around uh, on the weekend. And they kind of had, he made a, he made a putt on like the 36th hole to get into uh, the field or get into the weekend, which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, last year we really liked Kabugu. Uh, fortunately he did not uh, play too well. I believe the winner, uh, or I guess the leader in the order of merit is uh, Dismas Indiza is his name. He's the one who, uh, he's like a legend on there. I mean, he looks in his pictures, he's got to be like at the youngest mid-40s, at the oldest. He, he he could potentially be like 55, 60 champions tour type of guy. He won um, most recently and he leads their order of merit. Uh, and then the guy who won, now they always do play at Muthaga and they always do play at Karen Country Club. So there are golfers who like the, the, the Kabugus are, this is their home. They're the, the proudest members of this course. Greg Snow is in the event where we talked about it for a few years. Um, it's Jostas Madaya who's missed cuts here in the past. He is the one who won at uh, Muthaga or at um yeah, this golf course here a couple of weeks ago, but he's really not kicked on either, Tom. There was nothing screaming to me that said, you need an action at 2,500, which is sad. It's a sad day to not have that. It is. I mean, look, you've got your Guido Migliozzi fix, though. So even though it's not massive numbers, you've got you've got one part of your favorite BP World Tour story it's in true. there. So hopefully he wins. It's true. You can't have it all, I mean, can you? I mean, this is the real world. I mean, that's just a great name. So, Tom, I mean, if he just built through that, we got Visitor Makwanya. That's, that's a, a great one. Ronald. Rugamayo getting some some invitations from Uganda, uh, and where is Bob? I, I can get lost in these names. We can't we can't be doing that. So, uh, but no, I love that. So that's a Zimbabwe shout out there for him and Chinway are the Zimbabwe golfers. But Tom, let's, let's put a bow on it. Let's wrap it up. Right, go all day here. So let's uh, our selections, and you're going to sell me on Vanderbilt. I'm at cool. So I'm going with Aaron Cockerell forty to one. Also John Kaplan. At 40 to 1. Um, we are going to go with Sebastian Garcia. He's 90 to 1. And Julian Suri at 100 to 1. And then Sky, you need to put Darius Pandrew on your card because if we have another Hugo Cassard moment, um, I think we we could be in trouble. Yeah, that was uh that was painful. I was rooting for Oshino for you, but just as much <laughs> for, for me not to get the Ugo. Um so yes, I have John Catlin forty to one, Guido Migliazzi forty five, Sam Beristow sixty, Darius Van Driel ninety, Julian Suri a hundred and 
the Colo Galetti, 250 to 1. All of those have the each way off of six places except Van Driel. His 90s can require a separate top five bet. It's shorter in some spots. Uh, but that puts a bow on it for our Magical Kenya Open preview show. Hopefully, everyone is excited for the Super Bowl because, Tom, I think we've got a fun week ahead of us. Yeah, I mean, we've had the actual Super Bowl. Now we've got the what people want the Super Bowl to be, right? Like, we, we that one walks, so this one can run, I guess. And um, yeah, looking forward to it. It's. Uh, Let's hope for back-to-back winners on the show. Yeah. Hey, amen. Best of luck, everyone. We'll see you next week as we venture over to South Africa uh, for an event down there. So best of luck, and we'll catch you then. 